This is the Agent Carter podcast on Defenders TV podcast, episode 8, Valediction. Welcome back, Defenders. This is episode 28 of the Defenders TV podcast, where we're covering Agent Carter, episode 8, Valediction. Time for our own valediction, really, our, our farewell uh, to you guys, a final episode of Agent Carter. Uh, I'm Derek, one of your hosts. I'm John, one of your other hosts. And I guess you know us by now, but uh, yeah, this is our final episode of our Agent Carter coverage. Really been uh, been an enjoyable season so far. Yeah, it's been a nice little um, sequence of eight episodes. Really, really like them. And to be honest, I like the eight episode uh, length. It might yeah. be a bit short for some people, maybe more so... For people coming from the States, but for people over here in Ireland and the UK where we could only be getting four episodes mm-hmm. or even six episodes um, or even just one-off specials, then um, this is a nice, neat little length. Um, if I'm honest, I prefer the shorter seasons. They tend to be tighter, more focused, and a bit more enjoyable for me. Like 8 or 13 episodes, definitely. Yeah, it's worked out really well for the Defenders podcast. We obviously are covering uh, the shows on Netflix for including Daredevil, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. And this show actually worked out really well to be released when it was in between Daredevil and Jessica Jones. Um, little pet project as it, as it came up where I asked John, could we do it? Because I'm a huge Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan and he was a, he complied or he we <laughs> I made him focus. I am compliant. <laughs> and I'm delighted. Yeah, it's been really, really good to be able to cover a S.H.I.E.L.D. connected show at the very least and a show of this quality has been really, really good. Yeah, fantastic. And now we get a season two as well and of course we will be covering that. And of course hopefully... Fingers crossed, it's closer to that US release um, for season two than it has been for season uh, one. Because, of course, the ending of this was awesome, absolutely awesome, post-credit Marvel uh, Mm. sequence here. Uh, But, of course, it maybe feels a bit weird given it's so long after the Winter Soldier. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, Totally understand that. But the big news today, we don't generally cover news on Agent Carter, but the big news as we record today, Hayley Atwell has put on her Peggy Carter uniform today to start her filming for season two of Agent Carter. So that's pretty cool news, isn't it? Very cool. Yeah, no, that's very cool. I'm wondering, because she had a blue Stetson on in this episode. Obviously, there's her classic red Stetson. So I wonder if she'll go for any other coloured Stetsons, or whether maybe by season two it's completely out of fashion and she's shaved her head. <laughs> maybe, maybe. She's moving to Hollywood land where people are a little bit weirder, so uh, a bit more free and easy, chilled, relaxed compared to the East Coast, maybe. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And remember, just before we crack into this week's uh, episode, that you can, as always, find us on www.defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catcher, uh, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Beyond Pod, just search Defenders TV Podcast. Subscribe to us in any of those podcast catchers and we will pop miraculously into your feed where you can hear our lovely dulcet tones. Um, and of course, any feedback on this season of Agent Carter on Daredevil, or anything Marvel-related, the movies, the upcoming Marvel Netflix shows, or even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., 
please provide them to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. Or again, you can tweet at us at DefendersCast or join us on our page or group on Facebook. Again, just search Defenders TV podcasts. Yeah, make sure you join us on the on the Facebook group. Uh, we usually talk a lot during the off seasons between our shows that we cover. Uh, obviously, the next show that we're going to be covering is uh, most likely going to be Jessica Jones, which we believe is going to be released somewhere in the region of October, November, December. And so, uh, a bit far out now to predict exactly when it's going to be released. Uh, Netflix generally give a little bit of a heads up a couple of weeks before they release yeah. their shows. But uh, but make sure you join us on our Facebook group. Uh, really good. Um, place to talk about the stuff you're interested in in the MCU and the stuff we're interested in uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be posting there as we go on our next episodes exactly all as we said before leading to the Doctor Strange movie in uh, <laughs> winter 2016 yes <laughs> <laughs> everything all roads lead to Doctor all Strange all roads lead to Doctor Strange Scott Derrickson if you're listening you're probably not but if you are Go get him, lad. Go get him. Aye. Can John be an extra in Doctor Strange? He's only filming in the UK, so can we get you on as an extra? I, I could I could be third astral planet from the right or something <laughs> like that. Put astral, myself in a bauble. Astral planet? Jeez. Yeah. Uh, you're not that big. <laughs> no, I don't mean in relation to that, you cheeky guess. <laughs> and if this that. wasn't a PG-rated podcast, <laughs> I would swear enormously. Yes, yes. Well, and with that, to uh, avoid that uh, little moment, let's uh, move on to the coverage of this week's episode of Agent Carter, Valediction. Um, this episode was written by the showrunners Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas. Uh, great to see these guys uh, getting their getting their right on for this episode and uh, directed by Christopher Maziano. Um, so yeah, really good, uh, really good episode. John, do you want to tell us what we got? Absolutely. The SSR are called to the site of a mysterious massacre in the cinema where 47 people apparently murdered each other for no reason. Detective Sousa finds a canister at the site which releases a gas causing him to attack Thompson and Peggy Carter. The team quickly realise that this is item 17, the gas stolen from the SSR's captured stash of Howard Stark's inventions by Dr. Ivchenko. Howard Stark returns to New York and reveals that this is Midnight Oil, the substance at the heart of the Finau mystery. The team have a race against time to stop the rest of the gas being released on the unsuspecting celebrants of V-Day in Times Square. Unfortunately, Howard is captured and twisted by Dr. Ivanchenko, or should we say Dr. Fenhoff, to become the pilot of the plane carrying New York's destruction. Peggy and Jarvis work together in the air and on the ground to save Howard and all of New York. Peggy returns to the SSR, triumphant, to rounds of applause from her former teammates, but finds that Thompson takes the credit for her successful operation, undeterred because she knows her own worth. She has one last mission to take care of the disposal of the final vial of Steve Rogers' blood. Peggy bids a tearful farewell to Steve as the episode ends. After the credits, the captured Dr. Fenhoff meets his new cellmate, a very familiar face in Captain America's rogues gallery. Ooh, wow. Yes. Yes, we get our first post-credits scene I know. in this episode. Proper MCUing. Yes, absolutely. Post-credits scene. Yeah, yeah. Reverse bond, in fact. <laughs> Very good, yes. Yes, reverse bond uh, is a good way to describe it. Um, yeah, this is a really good episode. Really enjoyed it. John, what's your thoughts overall? Loved it. I think 
huge amount of information mm -hmm. um, tie ups explanation as well as bringing a really nice ending to this eight episode season I, I really liked it I've got so many points that I could raise on this but I absolutely loved it I thought it completed um, all the characters really nicely um, and, and had some really good surprises along the way. Loved it. Really liked it. Yeah, yeah. Excellent stuff. Excellent stuff. If this is your first episode joining us, why? Um, <laughs> go back and listen to the other seven and then come back and join spoilers. us. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers uh, for the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although I've just said spoilers, of course, um, after reading the synopsis, which lays out the entire episode that's so. true <laughs> spoilers for maybe five minutes ago <laughs> i think every episode that we do is pretty spoilery so uh, <laughs> hopefully people know that by now uh, if you don't the way we cover our episodes is we take five points each uh, discuss through those major points then take a few notes at the end and then we raise as to whether we defend the episode uh, as we go. Um, John, do you want to kick us off with your first point? I do. My first point is item 17. Oh, yes. This brings a lot of resolution to a lot of threads within the story. Um, in terms of, firstly, what is item 17? Mm -hmm. It sort of elucidates Howard Stark's role. It basically brings out the, the role of... Um, and the, the mystery of Finn now. Yeah. Um, and basically, in that order, we do have that item 17 is codenamed Midnight Oil, that it was developed by Howard Stark so that soldiers could operate for longer periods of time. It was, I suppose, in a sense, a heightened version of caffeine, mm -hmm. um, which ultimately had really bad psychological uh, side effects. Uh, which were misused then by a General McGuinness. Um, mm -hmm. And that was then sprayed at Finau. And that is why the Germans and then Howard Stark, who actually arrives at Finau to see what devastation occurred, because even he didn't realise the true extent of what could be done uh, with, this, with this substance. But um, it was sprayed uh, over the... Uh, the facility at Finau and uh, caused all the murders or, uh, and deaths of, of those Russians. Mm -hmm. It also links into Ivchenko's motives. Absolutely. Um, and why he's after Howard Stark, because in particular, Dr. Ivchenko, who we find out is Dr. Fenhoff here, um, has um, was at Finau with his brother. But unfortunately... Um, for him, his brother died. He saw his brother uh, die with his eyes gouged out. It's really quite graphic, actually. Um, and But he survived because he had a gas mask. And that is why, ultimately, this is what drives him uh, in his passion and, and his hatred of Howard Stark. And so item 17 has a lot to answer for, really. Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a really... A neat little way of bringing all these different threads together. Thin out General McGuinness and his sudden departure. Um, why Howard Stark was at Finau afterwards. And also Ivanchenko. So a really nice little um, part of this episode was that um, tying together of those loose ends. Definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. And scary little... Uh little piece of equipment, the old midnight oil, really, isn't it? I like I like the fact that it's something that Howard did try to invent, put it in storage, essentially, because he couldn't do, do what the army were asking him to do, which was keep soldiers awake longer, 
and able to fight longer, essentially. He put it in storage. It was stolen from him, uh, just like item 17 was in this case. Uh, it's stolen from him and used in a way that he never expected it to be used. But he does take the absolute blame for it, which we'll probably go into as we go through Howard Stark, because I think he's quite a major point in this episode. But this does link into my first point, which is something that I learned during the research of on this episode after I watched it. Um, Midnight Oil is actually, you are right, it is an MCUing of a Marvel event. Uh, we know some of our some of our listeners who are on our Facebook group are huge fans of Jack Kirby, who would have been 98 this week. Uh, quite a nice tie-in here. Yeah. Yeah, this Midnight Oil is essentially the MCUing of The Mad Bomb, which is one of the big stories of uh, the Jack Kirby arc in the 70s, uh, when he returned to Captain America. The Mad Bomb essentially set... Captain America and Falcon fighting against each other. It was a bomb that was dropped, made them angry at each other, and they started battling against each other. So this is what where they've taken their inspiration from for the show, uh, which I think is really interesting. It they've put turned it into something that could be re, could realistically happen, something that could have very bad side effects on people. It's not like you know the, the same kind of simplistic seventies version of uh, some of these kind of. Um, these kind of tools that were used during comic books during those years. Uh, I'm sure our listeners who are big fans of Jack Kirby will slightly correct how, how I described it there, but that's that's the uh, that's the basic case of, uh, of the Midnight Oil and what it is. Um, really, really like it and really like the fact that they've used one of the big storylines from Captain America in Agent Carter. Um, really good. Yeah, no, I was thinking it was also a plot of a, a film. Um, I think it was the Dolph Lundgren film, Universal Soldier, right. where <laughs> they're being kept awake all night. Or it may be like sort of Robocop to an extent where mm. you know those, those secret research uh, experiments designed to make... Uh, Army soldiers, naval officers, whatever, you know, more efficient, more heightened, more effective on the battlefield. And they generally end in in tears. Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, But as you say, I also do love the fact that Midnight Oil is the explanation for so much stuff in this episode, that it is the cause of Finnau, uh, which we've been wondering about for episode after episode. Um, And I, yeah, I just love, I love what they've done here. I think that's really, really good. Uh, a good idea. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely the keystone um, to this episode and to the the season. And to be honest, that's a great little tie-in to Jack Kirby. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's fantastic to have that uh, linkage to a fantastic comic book artist and writer. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. What a great timing. Again, the show's been delayed by six months, but it ties in perfectly with Mr. Kirby's 98th birthday, or what would have been his 98th yeah, birthday. Yeah, absolutely. Quite good. Quite good. Uh, that's, as I said, that's also my first point. John, do you want to give us your second point? My second point is the Dottie-Peggy fight oh, in, yes. in the hangar. Absolutely great. Isn't this fun? And it was fun. I really, really like Dottie as a character, and obviously Peggy, fantastic. To see these two ladies um, essentially come face-to-face, head-to-head, battle it out, Royal Rumble, you Mm -hmm. know, um, was really good. I mean, Peggy took some absolute beatings with that baseball bat. I mean, Dottie knows her stuff, uh, disarmed Peggy, there were tinges of jealousy from Dottie, I yeah. thought, within the fight as they as they were talking. Um, you know, where she said, "I wanted to be like you. I wanted to, you know, essentially dress, speak, uh, act like you." And um, it really felt as though um, there was a, a, an undercurrent of sort of jealousy from from Dottie towards Peggy, but then ultimately going, "But now I can be anyone who I want to be." Um, you know. 
her training, um, all of this. Um, and she ultimately thinks that you could have given me more just as Peggy sidesteps her attack and chucks her out the window right. onto the wing of one of the the fighter planes down in the hangar. Really, really good. Um, and yeah. I think appropriate. It's really fitting that these two should be um, one of the big fights at the end. The two ladies who have been going head to head. You know, mm-hmm. yes, um, they've had male bosses, but these are the two and um, drivers and cogs are of everything that's been going on in, in the season. Um, and in particular. Dotty, fantastic. Oh, yes, absolutely. And Peggy with a shotgun. How, how cool was that? Yeah. <laughs> a great little moment there. Um, um, I did like the callback. You did mention it, the little callback to Dotty breaking into Peggy's apartment where she's essentially pretending to be Peggy Carter and puts on the English accent, remember, in episode five or six, yeah. I think it was. Um, I like that little callback, and I like the fact that she's essentially saying, I used to be jealous of people like you. Now I can be anybody. Uh, maybe I will become a member of the SSR. That'll be my next job. Uh, nice little threat there from Dotty, and a really good moment, a really good fight, actually. Gosh, um, didn't just really good to see the two of them go head-to-head or toe-to-toe. Yeah, and of course... She survives. That's so right. will she be there in season two? I'm really, really hoping. She you know, has to be, doesn't she? She can melt away into society. Um, and here we have the you know the bloody trail from the wing of the fighter plane and gone. Yeah. Now, I thought they were actually going to go after her. I mean, what is it that normally if someone escapes, it's in the first 24 hours that they're captured, otherwise they do begin to melt away. So, I mean... She's gone. Mm-hmm. She's gone. She's melted back into American society. It'd be interesting to see if there's any time slip for moving into season two, because it could then be this kind of sleeper agent, um, you know, or um, yeah. where she suddenly becomes active again. Because obviously, her current handler um, in Dr. Fenhoff, mm-hmm. Ivanchenko, has now been captured. Yeah. But maybe, you know, Leviathan will come back at her because presumably you're getting really deeper and deeper uh, then into Cold War territory. I mean, at the moment, you're not really at Cold War territory mm-hmm. because it is only a year, a year and a bit after World War Two. Yeah. Um, so this will be really interesting. She's escaped. She's going to be back. I'm absolutely convinced. It'll be a shame if she's not. And I'm really hoping... Uh, that that she is. I think the other dotty highlight for me as well in this episode was her hitting and slapping uh, Howard Stark. Um, It was all intertwined with him trying to recall her name and meeting her in the same hangar where the big showdown happens where she is one of her other personas and she's infiltrating into Howard Stark's pants uh, to essentially (laughs) get into one of his um, even larger locked uh, safe rooms, uh, which is the hangar and where all his other uh, gizmos, gadgets and and weapons were held. So we get confirmation here that she was, I think it was Ida was her name, when she was infiltrating uh, into, as I say, Howard Stark's uh, <laughs> pants. Yeah, or was it Alice or Lorraine? Was it Lorraine? <laughs> Love, <laughs> it Love just so the funny. moment. Yeah, and then the cut as well when she he, he says that and she slaps him. It does. There's some really nice editing as as they move through that, and I really liked it. Yeah, um, it's just really good. Um, I have to say, 
Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Um, my second point is Alan Howard as well. Um, so a, a little, a little jump. Um, it's essentially on Howard and how he was, how he has changed to the dark side. Um, I suppose by uh, by Doctor Faustus or Doctor Fanhoff or Doctor Imchenko. Uh, man has so many names. Um, but yes, Doctor Faustus is the comic book character uh, in the show. It's Doctor Fanhoff confirmed in this episode, and for the first couple episodes, it's been Doctor Imchenko. So we can call him anything, really. I suppose of those three. Yeah, Jessica Jones on the Saturday. Uh, Jessica Jones on a Saturday, possibly. <laughs> Um, but Sorry, yeah. that's a throwback. For anyone who hasn't listened to our Daredevil coverage, there are four of us, and of course there are four defenders, um, and generally there's a, a skit on who may or may not be Jessica Jones. <laughs> Normally it's Chris, actually, in fairness to him. That is true. Uh, so, yes, maybe a slight in-joke in my own head, so I do apologise. <laughs> But my second point is about how it's dark. It is about how he's how he's transformed into uh, essentially the weapon of uh, of Fenhoff here. Um, he uses against him the fact that he's ha- he's taking responsibility for the death of everybody at at uh, Finnow, uh, which I think is a really good touch. You know, we've we've seen Howard a couple of times throughout the series, and he seems to have been someone that doesn't take responsibility um, for his actions. He very much says that he's a person that lies. Uh, he's a person that lies to get what he wants, essentially. And the only person earlier on in the series that he was talking to, the only person that he ever respected and ever wanted respect from was Peggy Carter. Uh, in this episode, what we see is that he is taking responsibility for his actions in Finnow. And because of this, Dr. Faustus is able to use it against him. He's able to say to him, you are a bad person. Um, and and Howard believes him. Um, Howard takes on the fact that he is essentially doing bad things, therefore he's a bad person. And the one thing that he can do to be a good person is to possibly save Captain America's life. The one thing that he wasn't able to do in real life, uh, he's being talked into trying to save the life of Captain America. Um, I think this is a great moment. I think it's really good and a nice bit of progress for the character. Um, it's something that they don't get to do in films very often because you only have an hour and a half or two hours to deal with your characters. You have to have, I suppose, broad brushstrokes on a character so you can't be as in-depth as they're able to do with a TV show. And getting to learn a bit more about Howard is is. I think really well worth it uh, for the show and what they've done here is really really good but there it does lead to that fantastic moment when Harrod's talked into going to um, going to the Arctic in his mind going back to that one day that he would have changed and Peggy arrives carrying Captain America's yeah, shield really um, cool fantastic and that is 100% I'm, I didn't need to do any research to tell this but that is definitely the actual shield that that Steve Rogers carries in the Captain America films. There's no way that's just a prop made for the TV show. That is definitely the shield that's that's in the films. And seeing Peggy carrying the Captain America shield is an, another great moment. I think it stood out to me as a as a huge moment in the episode and really nice to, yeah, really nice massive, to see. Massive, massive moment. Really good. I yeah. mean, I actually loved, I loved that hypnosis of, of Dr. Ivchenko, Fenhoff, <laughs> Claire, um, I loved, I loved his his t- tackling of Howard Stark, and I loved how it interchanged then um, between him flying over the Arctic and flying towards uh, Manhattan Island, yeah. and I, I really thought that was cool, and I loved how it started off on the, and then all of a sudden he's in the cockpit, you know, the the camera comes back to the present day where he's in the cockpit flying towards Manhattan. I love the fact that 
Jarvis is the one who's given the responsibility to to shoot um, him down. You know, his employer. You hope he's paid him well because obviously um, that might give him an incentive to keep his finger off the trigger yeah. for a bit longer. <laughs> um, but it's definitely a great little bit of heightened tension in the episode, which was was great. I mean, it was appropriate that it was Jarvis. I love the just coming back every so often to sort of an Arctic scene and then to Manhattan. Really good. Love that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you're right. The, the whole idea of having Jarvis chasing him down is brilliant. Keeping Jarvis in the show, I suppose, for this episode is absolutely perfect. Having this kind of big payoff for him where he's got to work to take down his boss, you know, his best friend, essentially. He's not just his boss. But it does lead to the other fantastic moment in the show, and this is why this is my one of my biggest points, essentially, is because this is a huge callback to The Winter Soldier. Um is because this is a huge callback to the first Avenger. Uh, it's a callback to the final scene where Peggy's essentially talking on the microphone, unable to stop Steve from uh, sacrificing his own life. And she's got to do it again. She's got to talk down another one of her friends from killing himself, essentially, and killing all of New York. Um, and how and how does she do it? She does it with a fantastic speech because it's Peggy. She's got a, she's got a great speech for him. Uh, I'm going to just read it because I love it. It's essentially to Howard saying, I know you loved him. I love them too, but this won't bring him back, Howard. You are the one person on this earth who believes in me. I cannot lose you. Steve is gone. We have to move on, all of us. As impossible as that may sound, we have to let him go. Beautiful moment. And it is a speech to Howard, but also a great speech to Peggy uh, herself, saying it's time for us to move on from everything being tied to Steve. Uh, lovely moment and really, uh, really touching, affecting moment, I think. No, I thought so, and it ties in as well when she's pouring Steve's blood uh, away mm. as well. That's a, a, an extension of this speech in, in my own head, and it comes to my other point, and it connects in with all of this, and it connects three things. It connects that scene. Mm-hmm. It connects Peggy's relationship to Jarvis as well, and it connects to to Steve Rogers, and and it's the fact that she, her pouring away this last physical element of of Steve Rogers of Captain America yeah. is hugely important for her to do. She realizes the significance of it, and she realizes that um, it's a trophy. It becomes a trophy, nothing more. It's the memories. It's the it's the emotional memories. The you know all of that that. Um, are the things that are important mm-hmm. uh, the fact that she just says bye my darling I mean it's so so touching and emotional oh, yeah. it's a great affecting moment I thought and just and, the music as well it's fantastic Loved and, it. yeah and I think that's an extension of that and I think what makes it even more special was that Jarvis gives her the vial because mm. you've had Howard Stark remove Steve's blood from the SSR labs mm-hmm. um, again um, slightly surreptitiously you know she doesn't know that and it's Jarvis who returns it and it's Jarvis who does it without the knowledge of Howard Stark this is not with Howard Stark's blessing and and Jarvis is uh, you know team Jarvis here for me and um, I do think you know he goes I owe Howard Stark a lot of things but he does not own my integrity and you know he will he will do everything he possibly can for Howard Stark because ultimately that's why he's with his wife. Yeah. Um, you know, he has a lot of uh, emotional connection to Howard Stark, let alone his employment status and, mm-hmm. and all that and his job. Um, but that there are some things that, despite all of that, 
he will do because there's an integrity to Jarvis. And that connected him in so fundamentally to Agent Carter, to Peggy um, as an individual. And I loved that. Yeah. And, and, and then with that ending where they have that lightness between them as he's showing Peggy and Angie round uh, one of Howard Stark's, uh, you know, condos or apartments mm-hmm. in downtown Manhattan. And there's a lightness there. And it, that is just lovely to me, that you can move from this lightness between the two characters to a real emotional depth that connects into a much wider thing. Fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you can definitely tell us the showrunners that wrote the show, uh, the people that are probably most uh, connected to the characters. I would say at, by the end of the sh- series, all the writers are connected to the characters, but you can really tell that these they know exactly how these characters should play off each other. Um, I think that was your point, John, so I'm going to jump on to my next I had about one. 12 points in I there. Know, I know, because um... you took a couple of my extra ones, but my <laughs> one was actually just the lightness of Angie in the apartment because I thought it was fantastic. Really um, it's great to have Angie back, essentially. I thought, as we saw the goodbye, the shut up English, you talk too much, um, was her goodbye a couple of episodes ago. I know my value. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this wasn't. It was Angie coming back, and now Peggy and herself are going to be living together, having loads of adventures, I'm sure. But having the wide eyes of Angie arriving in the apartment uh, as the wonderful Jarvis says to her um, I know what you're commenting on it's the neoclassical style that we've gone for in this <laughs> in this building brilliant um, she's essentially going oh my god you've got phones in every room this place is like a, it's like a spaceship to her you know really really different fr- from her uh, really really good loved Angie loved to have her it's great to have her back at the end of the show and great to sh- kind of build out that cast of characters that are on the side of Peggy so definitely I'm hoping that Angie comes back for season two as well in Hollywood I she hope she's to, she's an actress she's got to be the one that's that leads them to Hollywood she's lands. done Broadway she's moving into Hollywood and then maybe they'll return in season three to, to London where she does a stint at the West End possibly um, and and Peggy's had to go back to uh, London to I don't know sort out some kind of dastardly person in mm-hmm. uh, in Europe. Yes, or maybe she just gets deported, unfortunately. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> be awful, sad, and, yeah. An awful um, end to season two. But, but but they have ended season one with, but, with a very tearful moment, so yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the other thing with that scene is it has um, it has Jarvis and the Peggy rapport coming back. Mm-hmm. It really does um, in this downtown penthouse it goes, it's good to see someone who knows the finer things in life, um, says Jarvis to Peggy, <laughs> which Peggy responds in a great way. Um, I don't want to know what's happened in or on the fine things. <laughs> um, and it's just really good. Uh, yes. And then we have you know, Jarvis then bringing it back to the mundane with, you know, I'm going to do a complete overhaul of the kitchen spices. <laughs> I can imagine, you know, logging... Uh, categorizing and being very librarian about the whole thing um, it's so so funny and of course the big thing is he does say um, that he would be ready to assist Peggy again cementing that relationship um, he'd be ready to assist Peggy at a moment's notice really good really mm-hmm. good yeah definitely John what's your next point um, it's just the showdown between um, Fenhoff and then Agent Sousa and Thompson. Mm. I really liked this. I just thought it was 
a nice showdown for these three. It gave these three characters, and particularly Agent Susan and Thompson, uh, their little moment to shine where they're, they're trying to stop Ivchenko or Fenhoff. He has, you know, he's knocked Thompson to the ground. Thompson was no use. Yeah. Absolutely no use. And Sousa walking towards Thompson. Fenhoff is trying to do his hypnosis, trying to manipulate him, thinking he's manipulating him. And as he gets up to Fenhoff to go looking as though he's going to shoot um, Thompson, he hits Fenhoff to the ground and they arrest him. And he pulls out the earplugs. Really, really nice little touch. I Absolutely. loved it. I just thought I just wasn't expecting that. I thought it was gonna, it was building to this dramatic thing, and then it was like the rug was pulled under your feet in a good way yeah. by having the earplugs. And I just thought it was really cool. I, I liked it. It was a nice touch. It was. A, I think it's one of those things that this season has done so well is marry a lightness of touch, a brevity to proceedings with some really serious moments and with some really tense predicaments. And also not to shy away from maybe a bit of um, good swearing language, uh, you know, (laughs) wankers and and so on and so forth, all that kind of stuff. Um, And a bit of blood and a bit of gore. You know, some of those moments, like at the start with the cinema... Um, were, you know, there's tons of bodies all over the place. They're in the pathology, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the coroner's office, pull back the sheets, there's bite marks on the body. I, you know, there's, I'm not saying there's Human it's, hair in his hand and everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's not The Walking Dead, but, I mean, it's it, they're not afraid to show a bit of blood, and I always think that's good Yeah, yeah in absolutely. a show. It's real. Yeah. Um, if you're going to show violence, show blood and the, and the effects of it. Perfect. Yeah. So, for me, this was just ultimately a really good showdown for these characters and yeah. um, you know it was it was nice to see irrespective of uh, Thompson yeah yeah definitely but it's a it's a good point you make I know it didn't work in this case but I do like how Fanoff is trying to convince Sousa to work for him essentially um, he knocks out Thompson again they make the comment that Thompson would have shot uh, Fenhoff, he makes the comment that you're not like that, Sousa. You wouldn't shoot me. You wouldn't. You wouldn't take me out. You're not the kind of guy that Thompson is. Uh, again, playing on this kind of stereotype that Sousa's useless, um, or is only half a man. Uh, they comment. He comments on the fact that you know, I know you like Peggy, but she'll never look at you um, with the same eyes that you do because you're you're a cripple. You're half a man essentially. Uh, but Sousa's actually paying no attention to this at all. So that's why it, it's kind of an inspiring moment for Sousa. He's not taking in anything that Fenoff is saying because he's wearing the earplugs but I don't know I, I think he might be just stronger stronger of will than uh, Fenoff is giving him credit for I think that's kind of a little bit of the point there but I did like I really love the scene really like that it is a great moment for Suze at the end of the series and the, the, the fact they get their moment because it could have just easily have been something could have left out of the episode but I did really like it absolutely it's a clever heroic moment for Suze that no, he wouldn't shoot him like Thompson because he would use his brain and he would be prepared. He's thought about it. He knows that this guy has manipulated and hypnotised Chief Dooley. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we saw the results of what happened. Absolutely. You know, Chief Dooley is dead. Sousa is still alive as a result of him being intelligent in how he tackles this guy. And I think it also leads into your final point, I think. Yeah, I get the big point this week. Excellent. 
because I think this is now on every t-shirt that I've seen connected to Agent Carter, and I think it's on every uh, every wrist I've seen connected to Agent Carter, and we finally get to see it in context. Um, we have Peggy finally showing that she does know her value. She knows exactly her place in the world and is perfectly happy with it because she's the one that decides that place in the world. Um, essentially, Peggy arrives back. She gets her applause as she comes into the SSR. Um, everybody gives her a pat on the back. It's great to see this moment. But then when she's, a, when she's just about to get the big plaudit, essentially from the government, um, Thompson takes it away from her and basically takes credit for the whole operation, takes it that it is him that's responsible and is essentially going to be brought to the president, going to get the reward from the president. Um, and Sousa asks, asks Peggy, you know, why are you letting him do that? Why do you let him go, get away with it? And she says, I don't care. I don't care what the president thinks of me. I don't care what, the, what Thompson thinks of me. All that matters is what I think of myself, and I know my value. In a great moment, really. Absolutely. Really. It's inspiring stuff, really, it actually. Is. Because so many times and places people can get overlooked for working their butts off yeah. and doing good stuff. Um, and in the end, it goes to the same old, same old, or you just, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's the same people, the same thing, um, you know, that that makes and gets the attention. There's so many people in life that are working there, doing their thing day in, day out, and they're helping people. They're making the wheels of the world, of society, uh, run smoothly and um, they know their value and they should it's really great inspiring stuff it really is um, I do say well as, as well I completely misquoted it at the start I said I know my worth um, <laughs> that's okay it's about 10 quid I think um, <laughs> but like literally um, this is a really nice little speech that Peggy says right at the end it's a great ending Whilst I'm there thinking, you know, does Thompson have any redeeming qualities at this point? Like, I thought he was kind of an okay guy, but actually he was the most useless of all of them because he got knocked out. Mm -hmm. Yet he isn't able to say to the senator, who, in fairness to Thompson, presupposes that it's the man that has done uh, all the work uh, and led to this successful prevention of an absolute disaster in Times Square. Mm Mm-hmm. But he hasn't got the the kahunas to, to stand up and say, well, actually, it's Agent Carter. Now, she doesn't need that, and that's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. But I'm the, does he have any redeeming qualities now? Now, he's in season two, so I can't wait to see what happens. Maybe it's the swinging 60s, and it's all peace and love, <laughs> and he is way out there with women this day. Woo! Come on! <laughs> You know, Woodstock, all that kind of stuff going on. Maybe he turns into a complete and utter hippie, but I doubt it. I doubt it, yeah. It is Woodstock. <laughs> I doubt it. It'd be quite a bit of a jump, wouldn't it? Because it's, it it's set in the 50s, isn't it, the next season? I don't so, know. <laughs> um, I believe. But, uh, but yeah, no, I kind of like it. It's, it's, you know, it kind of shows that Thompson is a complicated character, which is, you know, it, it's you would kind of expect it in most shows that he starts out on the opposite side. He starts out as a repressive male in the 40s and then it turns out that by the end of the show he's learned his lesson and now he's fully supportive of women's rights but that's not Thompson we haven't seen that side of him he doesn't seem to be a person that would change that easily um, you know even the fact that Peggy saved his life um, when they were on the mission uh, in Russia 
didn't really sway him a huge amount. He knew there was something wrong last week when they were investigating her. Uh, he knew there was something wrong in the investigation because he didn't feel that Peggy would be that uh, deeply involved and in, in trying to pull the wool over the SSR's eyes as much as they thought uh, she would. But it doesn't change his complete character. He will be the kind of person that wants to get a leg up. That kind of person. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's a really good, really good decision and a really good choice. Um, John, what's your next point? Now, my final point is the fact that if Chenko Fenhoff is locked up with Dr. Arnim Zola. Oh, yes. Uh, really, really good. I love the fact that Zola says, don't worry, it's an American prison, and America is, of course, the land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that Zola almost seems to uh, know him already, is aware of his work, and is quite prepared to, in essence, take his knowledge and use it for his own ends. And like he's willing to manipulate um, Ivchenko for his knowledge for... Hydra. Yeah. Um, and that is a really good move. And it fits really neatly in with obviously the Winter Soldier, Captain America Winter Soldier. It's slightly in this sense, if you're coming at it for um first time since the film, then it's a bit out of context. But mm. within that time sequence, it would be just before Captain America Winter Soldier is released, I think. Yeah, I think it was just around the same time. But yes, it is the explanation as to why Bucky Barnes is transformed into the Winter Soldier because they've used the Fenhoff method, essentially, um, to convert him into somebody that we'd kill. Um, brilliant. I love the little tie-in. You know, it's something that we hadn't really thought about. You know, you, you knew there were Hydra scientists that were involved. Um, but I love this little explanation that it is Fenhoff that did it. And to- having Toby Jones back in Peggy Carter, yeah. he appeared in... Winter Soldier, he appeared in the first Avenger, and now he's appeared in Peggy Carter. So he's been involved in everything connected to Captain America. Really great touch to get the actor back in there. Really, really good. You know, Toby Jones is great. Really good. And I'm so pleased that he came back because it it adds that authenticity as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one of the other good connections, because I loved the final scene, obviously myself, I've said it before, I'm a huge Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. And one of the other huge connections is there's a character that's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. called Daniel Whitehall. Uh, if you remember in season two, I do. Uh, he essentially was using the Fenhoff method to convert uh, other uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. agents to Hydra, asking them, saying they must comply. So that's the new version of you must focus, essentially. So that's essentially just based on this meeting of these two characters. It's led all the way through to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So a nice little connection to the wider world of Absolutely. the Marvel Universe. And you've used the Fenhoff method on me Comply. to watch um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. And it worked. And I'm delighted because I love <laughs> I loved this show. Really, really good. Uh, John, with that, do you have any notes? I do. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still giggling away from the fact that you are delighted by using mind manipulation on me, or the possibility of. I know you haven't, but... You must comply. Um, I'm twirling my ring at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) I have a few notes. Um, Just two. Uh, One is, I love that in the cinema, where there's, I think it's just a regular police officer, and he's talking about uh, the G-men, obviously the SSR agents there, and I love that reference. I think it's a real hint at... The Cold War, you know, G-Men standing for government men, primarily a reference towards FBI agents, actually, rather than CIA agents. Right. But um, 
I love that reference to the G-men. It's such a great term to refer to anonymous government figures. And, and, and in a sense, that's what the SSR are, but maybe yeah. slightly above government. It also kind of reminds me of the Fingermen from Viva Vendetta. Yes. And just the, the, this kind of notion um, of, of being almost above the law, being a law unto themselves. Yeah, so the guys in the shadows kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I love that it hints towards, you know, bigger things to come with regards to the Cold War. Um, and this also ties in with me, with uh, Ivchenko and Dottie's conversation in, in the car. Um, how if Ivchenko is kind of saying, this city, New York, is amazing. It's testament to American ingenuity and strength. Um, and and Dotty basically just retorts with, "Won't it be good when we tear it down?" Oh, yes. And ultimately, that is the foreshadowing of the Cold War: was that the USSR, the Soviet Union, was looking to tear down the American dream, and the Americans were looking, and Western Europe were looking to tear down the Soviet uh, collective dream in mm-hmm. that sense. So it was really interesting. I loved that kind of notion. And I, I really, just because there's so much of a World War II flavor from this season of Peggy Carter, I think season two can be sort of much more focused on that Cold War era. You know, you think about it, what it spawned in relation mm-hmm. to things like Bond, oh, yeah. uh, Man from Uncle, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good. So uh, that was one thing that I really liked. And then the other thing is that um, you have Betty Carter return right at yes. the start. Yes, you do. Um, and you have the whole, that she's a diamond girl, which she is, she's mint, and uh, you have 39 cent for two bells of soap is what I took from that. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cheap in the 40s really isn't it it really was yeah. uh, one thing i wanted to point out which i thought was really cool the uh, the in the radio show the uh, the presenter of the radio show the guy who does the main voiceover that's ralph garman we saw him live with uh, with kevin smith doing, we did doing hollywood babylon a little connection to season two of uh, of agent carter going to hollywood maybe yeah. maybe <laughs> Tenuous. Uh, really funny comedian actually um a little uh, little risque probably for some of the audience that watch Agent Carter but uh, but a really funny comedian definitely and uh, good to see his spot in there but one of the things I did take and that was one of my notes actually about having the radio show back a really good kind of closing out the season with the radio show because I believe the first episode started out that way as well it did yeah um, so I loved that this is essentially they're doing a replay of the final moments of uh, of the first Avenger we should have known that this episode was going to end in tears if even the radio show is taking the biggest tearful moment from the uh, Captain America movies and doing their version of it. But it's so different when it's not Steve and Peggy, when it's Betty and this version of Captain America, who is who is kind of almost looking at her as if um, as if she's just a crazy broad uh, crying away over his over his loss. Um, beautifully put together scene, I suppose, mm. which is a bit of foreshadowing for how strong Peggy actually is uh, in this episode. I really liked it. Nice, a nice touch, definitely. I just have one other note as well, which is just about uh, Jarvis because he's got a great moment in here. There's a couple of little touches. It's nice to have him lighten up uh, the episode, but a great little moment when he's uh, explaining to the SSR that he uh, he actually didn't tell them about the real vault. He just told them about a small vault. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, what he didn't tell them about was the significantly larger vault, <laughs> which is which stores all of uh, Howard's planes and weapons and uh, and all of the 
much bigger things that uh, <laughs> that that would probably be of interest to the SSO. A great little moment to love Jarvis in this. I must say he's a he's a very funny character and really gets the comedy timing in the episode. The show would not be the same without him, definitely. Yeah. So I think we're at the end of our co- of our coverage for this episode, John. Do you defend Valediction episode eight of Agent Carter? I do defend this episode of Agent Carter again. It's my eighth straight defend um, mm-hmm. or validation of Agent Carter. Um, this has been a great season, and in particular for this episode, I'm giving it four canisters of midnight oil out of five. Um, it absolutely whipped me up into a frenzy to really look forward to season two and just to, again, look back at season one and have all those elements tied back together everything linked with this this midnight oil i loved that everyone got their moment in the spotlight um even the bad guys mm-hmm. i love the fact that dotty has survived i love the fact that howard stark has been redeemed i love the fact that thompson in a sense, isn't redeemed at all. I love the fact that um, Sousa is a clever son of a uh, gun and should have gotten the limelight instead of Thompson. Mm -hmm. I loved uh, Dottie. um, All of this came together, but in particular, I love that sort of connection between Peggy, Howard, and Jarvis, all connected together, but all connected through Steve Rogers in mm. some way or another. And I thought that was like a real emotional uh, punch for this episode. It was really, really good between Peggy and Jarvis, between Peggy and Howard, between Peggy and Steve, you know, uh, really, really good. Yeah. So yeah. Um, four canisters of Midnight Oil out of five. Yes. Derek, do you defend this episode of Agent Carter? I think my answer to that twice in this season has been, how can I not? Um, I, I say it again, how can I not defend this episode? It made me, it made tears well up in my eyes, uh, thinking of the relationship between Peggy and, uh, and Steve. Um, I think it's so well put together. I think that the moment of having the two of them separated by time, essentially, that Peggy doesn't know about, she's just finally letting go of the fact that she's lost Steve. We know they'll meet again. Um, don't know where, don't know when. Um, but we do. We know that she's about 80. Um, but we do know but, uh, they'll meet again yeah. on fine sunny day. On fine sunny day, yes. Uh, but it is, it is having these beautiful moments. And again, it's the fact of the realisation. It's that she does have to let Steve go. She does have to move on with her life. And she does know her value. She knows her place. As I say, it's not in a critical way that she knows her place. She knows exactly where she belongs in the world. And she'll do everything to protect that position within the world. Um, she doesn't care what anybody else thinks about her. She'll fight and claw her way if she needs to to make sure that she is treated with respect. And that's all she wants. Um, I love that realisation in this episode and I love the season so far. It's been really, really good. Yeah, excellent. So we have a little bit of feedback from our Facebook group. Uh, Dave Harks got in contact with us to say, loving this series and following along with you guys on the podcast. Looking forward to next week's episode. Thanks for that, Dave. Um, really gl- glad you're enjoying the show. I know that most of us in the UK and Ireland had to wait quite a long time for the episodes, um, unfortunately. So uh, delighted that all of us have been able to watch them along together. Our live tweeting sessions on uh, on Twitter have been great fun. And obviously the group on Facebook, which you can find under Defenders TV Podcast, 
it's been great fun as well. There's been a lot of chat on there. So uh, really, really good. Uh, make sure you do follow us on our Facebook group, uh, plus our Twitter page on Defenders Cast, um, because we will be releasing our information about what, we're, what we'll be doing coming up. This is our final episode of Defenders TV podcast for the moment. We'll be coming back uh, with Jessica Jones when when it's released. Uh, and John, you've got a big goodbye, goodbye to say this week as well, don't you? Absolutely. Not only is this my fond farewell for the time being for Agent Carter, um, but it is also uh, my fond farewell for Hannibal. That's um, right. Over on Hannibal on our TV podcast industry stream. Check it out. It's a more mature podcast. Mm -hmm, Um, Definitely. There's definitely horror, gore, swearing, uh, nudity and the like um, in it. It's an audio podcast, so don't get your hopes up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And, uh, but yeah, that's um, final episode of that uh, this week. That's right. In Ireland. So it's... uh, yeah, a lot of final episodes. Yeah, and you can find um, that over on tvpodcastindustry.com. That's our kind of our hub for all of our episodes. You can find all of our shows over there. Um, so, yeah, going to be a bit of a sad week for you. I think there's been a lot of tears shed uh, and a lot of uh, a lot of Twitter crying and uh, and discussion about those uh, those episodes particularly as well. Um, and we almost forgot to say we're at New York Comic Con this year in October, uh, which is on from the 8th to the 12th of October in New York uh, City. Um, at the Javits Centre, yeah, just... back in Hell's Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Will we see Daredevil? Maybe Wilson Fisk. A few Wilson Fisks, maybe knocking around. <laughs> yeah, I did see. There's a there's some cosplay meetups uh, planned by the event organisers, so we're definitely going to see. Hopefully, anyway, uh, an Agent Carter um, cosplay meetup. Uh, there's a Daredevil one planned as well, uh, which hopefully will be well attended for this podcast. Uh, definitely some DC and Marvel meetups as well. So hopefully, we'll see tons of good cosplay like we did last year. It's fantastic. And make sure you follow us on Twitter for all the photographs from that event and obviously any kind of follow-up from that event. So we'll be there. So if you're around at New York Comic Con uh, and you want to say hi or say hello or even maybe go for some drinks, then let us know by Twitter or feedback. Anything we might organise closer to the time, we'll obviously put up on our Facebook page and group as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you want to make sure you keep up with our podcast, you can subscribe to it on iTunes at DefendersTVPodcast.com slash iTunes. And obviously, as I mentioned, over on TVPodcastIndustries.com, where we do have our Hannibal podcast. We won't be going too far away, though. We will be going to our other comic podcast uh, with Gotham starting back up in 21 days from when we record. We will be coming back with our Gotham podcast on GothamTVPodcast.com. Loads of websites there to remember, but really all you need to remember is the podcast name slash iTunes and you'll be able to find us so gothamtvpodcast.com slash iTunes is where you'll get our Gotham podcast and that'll be starting up in a couple of weeks time with our 49th episode I know wow yeah yeah from pretty good and remember while you're over on iTunes make sure to leave us a review um, for any of the podcasts for Defenders TV Podcast for Gotham TV Podcast for Hannibal on TV Podcast Industries uh, it helps other people find our show if you liked it Hopefully some other friends of yours might like it and hopefully some other people might like it. So they'll be able to find us by the more reviews we get. We did get a review this week by a, an imaginatively named uh, iTunes reviewer uh, called <laughs> Large Wooden Badger. Wow. Yeah, interesting, interesting name. Uh, what what Large Wooden Badger says, I don't know whether you're a he or a she, but thank you so much for the or review. Or a badger. Or a badger, yeah. yeah ba- a typing badger, possibly. Um, 
what Large Wooden Badger says is, uh, these guys are great, smart, funny, and incredibly geeky. They're deeply steeped in Marvel lore, but that doesn't get in the way of a casual fan's enjoyment for a second. Their affection for the show is so infectious, it makes me count the days until the podcast, even though I saw the episodes in the States months ago. I defend this podcast five clever Brits out of five possible clever Brits. (laughs) Thank you so much, Large Wooden Badger. Yeah, thank you, Badger. Yeah. Hopefully five clever Irishmen as well. Yeah. We are clever, you know. It's like Watership Down. No, not Watership Down. Um, What's the Toady, Toad Hall? Isn't that a badger? There's a badger in that. It's not Wooden, though. But thank you. Thank you so much for um, leaving the review on iTunes. Um, Wind in the willows. Wind in the willows. Yes. That's it. Thank you so much for leaving the, the iTunes um, review. It's so nice to get some feedback as to how we're doing. Um, you know, we really enjoy doing all this stuff. And to, to get some feedback to say that, you know, we're maybe doing stuff in, in the right direction is really nice uh, to hear. It also helps other people find our podcast, which is nice too. So thank okay. you so much for, for the review, Large Wooden Badger. Um, may your set be adorned with loveliness. <laughs> um, that also, that thank you also goes out to the rest of our listeners. We're delighted to have been able to share Agent Carter with you. I was so looking forward to this show and I'm so glad that John joined me for this one. Uh, we usually have Irene and Chris on board for some of our episodes. They weren't able to join us for this particular show, but they will be back for Jessica Jones coming up in October. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for, for listening to everyone. It, it's really nice and it, it's nice to just get people who have been listening to our Daredevil, but there's also people who have been uh, listening to Hannibal who have come from Defenders. So it, it's it's really nice to to have that community, to, to share our thoughts for what it's worth with, with all the listeners. It's really nice. Um, and thank you so much for listening, as always. Definitely. And as always, thank you, John. Uh, thank you for everything you've done on this on this show, for obviously writing and producing. Um, it's been really good. Thank you for your uh, your synopsis and, uh, and thank you for your welcome chat. It's been great fun. Not a problem. I wasn't expecting you to say that. And thank Aww. you, Derek. Thank you for all your production, your insightful uh, thoughts and, and points on the show, your Marvel history, particularly on the Howling Commandos, S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, you, I know, are a massive fan. Um, Unfortunately, there is no Doctor Strange in Agent Carter, but maybe they will tie into that as well. (laughs) You never know, you never know. It will be like the fifth dimension. Another (laughs) Howard Stark weapon. Possibly, possibly. What do you want in season two, actually? We haven't really talked about it. Is there anything that particularly... Russians. one thing that you wanted to see in season two. I want Russians. I think Cold War, maybe more Cold War orientated. Maybe even, um, you know, communist, whether it's China, Cuba, or um, Russian. Mm -hmm. Don't mind. Missile crisis, maybe, Maybe. could be involved in it. Um, I don't know. I'd be really good to to see. The fact it's moved to Hollywood um, will be be good. But I I think for me at the moment, I really want to see Angie back in there. I want to see Dottie. Obviously, Peggy and Jarvis are going to be there. Mm It would be nice to see how it ties into some... Other elements, I think, and other parts of the MCU would be quite interesting because with the whole Steve Rogers slant, with then seeing Arnim Zola uh, at the end of the episode eight of this final episode, 
great fantastic yeah yeah absolutely uh, for me for season two i obviously want to see the helen commandos back um hopefully we might see a little bit more of them but i have one one little ask the winter soldier was activated sometime in the 50s so hopefully we might get a little little cameo from sebastian stan possibly uh, as the winter soldier i wonder if peggy carter could take him down without knowing it is bucky um, I'd like that a little touch. I think that would be nice to tie in to, uh, to the Captain America that we know and love. Um, that would be a nice, nice choice um, for season two, if you're listening. Um, but overall, uh, I do. I, I just really want to see more of these characters. I think that the characters have been developed really well on the show, and I'm really yeah. looking forward to see how inspiring Agent Carter can be for season two. Yeah. So thank you again so much for listening. Join us on DefendersTVPodcast.com forward slash iTunes and any other good podcast catcher for Marvel Netflix's AKA, well, not so much AKA anymore, for Marvel Netflix's Jessica Jones, uh, where it will be the full gang of four, me, myself, Irene, Derek, <laughs> and Chris, and um, for... Jessica Jones on Marvel Netflix, scheduled for this year, maybe out in October, might be pushed out a bit later. So if it's a bit later, we may have some other elements that we might do for Defenders TV podcast and certainly looking at some of the Jessica Jones comic books, for example. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Obviously, thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you again as soon as we possibly can. The Defenders will return. Take care. Bye. Someday, when I'm awfully low, when the world is cold, I will feel a glow just thinking of you. And the way you look tonight. Oh, but your love with your smile so warm and your cheeks so soft there is nothing for me but to love you just the way you look tonight